Hey guys, we've got Arda here from our, our friends at Roll joining us. Um, Arda, how you doing, man? Good I'm to finally catch up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm Arda, I'm uh, from Roll. We are providing electric scooter sharing service uh, to cities in Canada. Um, last year, we launched in Kelowna, British Columbia. Uh, for three months, we operated there. It was pretty good. This year, we launched in Calgary. Um, everything is going well. We launched on May tw uh, 25th. Uh, it's been three weeks uh, since our launch and we will be deploying more scooters and um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So that's one of the reasons we uh, organized this, right? To get caught up. Richard came on uh, to introduce role and his vision of the company mm -hmm. and how we started that. But uh, this call was to celebrate your kind of your foothold now in a Canadian, another Canadian city. Uh, Calgary, getting Calgary's permission to launch your operation, that's huge. Yeah. Right? So congrats yeah, yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, can we go through the details of yeah. how that came to be? Of course. So going back to uh, the actual first uh, launch in Kelowna. Um, so it was in 2019, uh, I believe, uh, in March, April. Um, city of Kelowna announced that they will be having the pilot uh, in, in their city, uh, the scooter pilot. And uh, when we heard this, we applied right away because that was the first city that actually created a framework and allowed mm -hmm. operators to operate. And uh, well, this is this is not a, this wasn't in you at that time. Uh, in US, uh, other companies started this in 2017, um, mm -hmm. and in Europe, it's also a really um, huge thing going on for years. Um, so before Canada, it was a really new thing. Uh, there was no other scooter company operated. And uh, so Kelowna created the framework, we applied. Uh, we didn't have any operational experience at that time. Uh, we, we just had the product, we just had the app, uh, we just applied. And we got a <coughs> approval from the city and uh, they actually gave us a really good feedback and they liked our proposal, everything was perfect. Um, and for Calgary, uh, we actually applied to Calgary's framework uh, before starting uh, our operations in Kelowna. Uh, so again, we had no operational experience at that time either. Um, and Calgary was the second city that announced and created this uh, scooter pilot framework. Uh, it was a, I think it was a really good example uh, because Calgary is one of the uh, biggest cities in Canada. It's a major city. And this was a really good example for other jurisdictions like Toronto, Vancouver, uh, Montreal and other cities and um, because they they look at each other and they see how they how things are going uh, on their cities um, because in US and Europe um, there were some problems with the scooters um, it, it was a parking issues safety concerns um, you know sidewalk riding uh, those those were the issues but right now um, most of them were sold uh, with thanks to technology um, so we applied to Calgary's pilot. Uh, they liked our proposal again. Uh, our product is different. Uh, and the city, both Kelowna and Calgary, they liked it. Um, and how we communicate, how we um, created our proposal was uh, different from other competitors. We have a different approach. Um, we are a local Canadian startup. Uh, we are pretty flexible on um, everything pretty much. And uh, they asked us to do something we provided. They uh, asked for uh, like extra, extra thing, for example, we provided them. 
um, that was also like safety uh, requirements, data requirements. We provided everything, and in, like all the communications was really good between us and the cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a huge benefit uh, for doing this as a startup. Uh, I would say. What was that process like? Like, how granular did you have to explain things? And were there many different touch points, or was it one person you had to deal with in the city? Yeah. Like, so happening. Um, there are. Uh, that's usually the transportation department within the city and there's uh usually there's a division called active transportation and they are usually working on bike lane uh, infrastructures and you know bike lane projects uh, other bike share uh, programs and this Mm -hmm. is uh, relatively new so uh, they have a a coordinator that is working on the scooter uh, pilots Um, Mm -hmm. so we had a i think like 60 70 page proposal where we explain everything the app, the product, uh, user agreement, um, how we encourage safety, how we inc- uh, provide training to our customers, uh, everything in details. And they review this. Uh, I think you know, it's a really uh, long proposal to read, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really a detailed uh, kind of de- uh, detailed uh, review of what, how we operate basically. Um, and then once they approve, uh, there are some uh, permit fees uh, that we need to pay. And usually uh, these are really high fees um, because well, in general, electric scooter business is an expensive business. Uh, you yeah. need to provide the scooters. Uh, it's also on the street. There is a risk of, uh, you know, violence, uh, theft. Uh, so there are huge risks and it's an expensive business. Uh, but the outcome is uh, really good so far. Nice. Yeah. But um, I mean, like that's awesome that the city, the city is becoming more receptive to work with startups, right? Like the fact that, you know, they'll take your call and take you seriously. That's, I think that's like a, a cultural shift has happened, right? Exactly. And exactly. There's a, process for, there's a process for a company like you to, to transact with the city. That's amazing. Exactly. And, and the feedback that we receive is uh, really good. They, um, well, it's, it's a, just, just a simple, simple example. Uh, the communication is uh, very flexible and uh, very responsive compared to uh, mm-hmm. other companies. Um, when they ask us something, we usually reply within an hour. Uh, it's different for uh, other operators. And um, we are a startup, but what we provide is actually a... Um, like a really, really, uh, you know, technical um, kind of, we have technical requirements, we have safety requirements, uh, everything. And we can provide them uh, with all these requirements. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely agree that uh, there's a cultural shift uh, between, uh, you know, working with a startup and also working with bigger companies. Because uh, we are operate, the other operators, our competitors are uh, relatively bigger uh, bigger than us, and um, they have four billion valuations, um, and th- there's a competition. Uh, but when it comes to the you know, city, they don't really see that difference. And in fact, uh, it's better for them to work with, with a startup because uh, we are more responsive and more responsible uh, since we are only focusing on like, niche markets and not you know, at a global scale. <clears throat> yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about COVID-19 and how that's affected you guys. Like, yes. I mean, I'm surpri- I was so surprised to see this moving forward because 
you know, you would think like COVID-19 like would change or like change not just the market, but how people require transportation. You know, buses uh, like, you know, TTC in Toronto, like let go a lot of bus drivers and other transportation drivers let go of bus drivers. Like how is transportation density, how is all these calculations change in your business? So uh, transportation industry is one of the uh, most affected businesses uh, due to COVID. Um, but now we're at a point uh, where micromobility is actually uh, rising and it's, it's um, at a point that we need the most, uh, more than ever. When we look mm-hmm. at the, you know, last year, the previous year, um, micromobility and scooters specifically, they were uh, more like a first and last mile solution. But right now we are seeing that uh, scooters are actually a uh, mode of transportation now, not just uh, like first and last mile, but for people living in urban areas like downtown Toronto, uh, we can take scooters as just a transportation method, uh, not just first and last mile uh, problem. And Mm -hmm. TTC and other major uh, bus and uh, train companies, they are reducing their services. That means uh, the, the buses, the train will be more packed. And people are actually changing their minds and they're changing their habits. Uh, about the whole, you know, transportation, and um, it's 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 a really really uh, big change that we are seeing right now. Um, people are changing how like how we move basically. Um, right now, if you look at uh, downtown Toronto, I, I see a lot of electric scooters on the street. Uh, there's a huge demand, as well as bikes. Uh, like people are using bikes. I, I've never seen this uh, demand on bikes and scooters. Um, actually, yesterday, the Toronto mayor, um, he was talking about uh, how they're going to expand their bike share network. Now mm-hmm. they're going to include Scarborough and uh, North York, uh, York University area. And they're also working on creating a framework for a, for a pilot uh, in Toronto this summer, which is very excited. Um, and to be honest, cities are being more progressive about uh, active transportation uh, because last year we attended the, um, the stakeholder meetings at the city of Toronto. Uh, they were not really, you know, looking forward to the pilot because of the concerns, safety concerns, uh, parking issues. Uh, but now we are at a point where they're actually, uh, they really want it. And today, uh, just a few hours ago, uh, Ottawa Council approved a pilot uh, again this year. Uh, I think it's going to start as early as uh, July. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're also hoping to launch there too. And in Ottawa, also in uh, Toronto, the, the structure of uh, the pilots here in Toronto is not really uh, clear yet. It might be through the bike share fleet. Um, they, they, they will just add a uh, scooter fleet to the bike share or is it, it's going to be through the private operators. So it's not really clear in Toronto, uh, but for Ottawa, uh, it's going to be through private operators like us. So it's, it's a really, um, you know, huge increase uh, for micromobility. Yeah, I mean, as you're, as you're thinking about this, like um, I started like envisioning like, uh, like the micromobility kind of future, like a potential future, right? As like, People have embraced now, no, not just sports, but embraced uh, working from home and remote working. Now it's about working from anywhere. 
companies and businesses are looking into like, you know, why do we need our offices? Why do you need to pay $30,000 a month and all this office space when we can have a distributed workforce? Right, those the companies, how they're forming are changing. So now people are no longer coming downtown or coming into these uh, commercial areas. Then that affects the food industry because people are not going to these shops for lunch and not feeding them, right? Movie theaters and entertainment complexes and malls, it doesn't draw much density. The, the, the areas, don't, people don't, are not as mobile. They don't travel as much distances, but they'll still need to move within the space that they are exactly. as things change, right? So if I'm working from home and stuff, but I still need to grab groceries, and move around and if I don't necessarily want to own a car and, and like you know not necessarily want to get into a bus where there's like 30 40, 50 people and more of a long long haul kind of uh, kind of a transport well micro mobility allows me to you know make quick movements around my my, my locality right where exactly. that may be right and I think even like the, the existing infrastructure like uh, TTSB uh, sorry TTC and like other uh, transit commissions um, as they're shrinking in size and like letting go of the drivers, they're realizing people are not going to be as mobile. Right? The demand doesn't spike back up. It's going to severely change the way we move and our cities kind of, uh, the density of the city kind of, kind of breeds, right? Like during the day, a whole bunch of Russia workers go downtown to the central core, work there, operate, do a bunch of activity. And then in the evening, they rush back out, right? Like if you look at it like a, like a cyclic, cyclic process, people are coming in, in and out of cities all the time. And that's what drives movement, right? Where it's like more unilateral going to the central and coming out, right? During these rush hour periods. But now it's going to be more decentralized, quick movements around small, smaller areas. You need a more distributed, wider network system. Exactly. And I was having a discussion uh, with, a, uh, with a planner from Metrolinks. And uh, mm -hmm. he said their ridership um, was around um, like normally let's say, um, I actually have the number. Yeah, so they, their ridership amount uh, has reduced to around like 90%. Uh, wow. So that's a really, really huge decrease. Uh, and he also thinks that uh, in, the, in the next 10 years, uh, the active transportation methods will be uh, more popular. Uh, and it's, it's gonna be like a uh, lifestyle uh, in the future, you know, since we are using it now, uh, in the future, uh, this might be our habit as well, uh, because so far, uh, public transit was very popular. Uh, but right now, we're actually seeing a change uh, at that uh, particular piece. So, yeah. Hmm. That's and, interesting, right? Like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I, and also, um, in, in Calgary, uh, we launched on 25th. It's been uh, three weeks. Uh, the ridership amount is crazy. Uh, the, so right now, the mayor actually, uh, when he announced that scooters are coming back, he said, uh, this is not for joyride, it's, it's for essential trips uh, and you know, people who need to go out and uh, work. So, um, wow. And the amount that we received, so uh, within three weeks, we had 3,000 uh, 3, users and three thousand mm -hmm. users and more than two thousand trips, which is um, which is really wow, amazing okay. with a limited yeah, number of scooters. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the uh, average riding time is fifteen minutes. That's also uh, really long when we compare at a global scale. Um, so it, it's really good that uh, you know Calgary, uh, the city, and also the community there, the people living there, uh, they're. Uh, open with this micro mobility options uh, and 
you know, they're, they're using a lot. Uh, we're very happy and, you know, uh, we are hoping that we can also, uh, we can also launch in Ottawa soon and Toronto and even Vancouver uh, as well this year. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So like one of the, one of the weird news that I heard recently kind of sparked a little outrage on Twitter and things is, uh, I think it was a bird. Um, you know, one of the biggest scooter companies right yes. now, worth a few billion dollars. Um, when Bird recently acquired a, a, scooter, a scooter company in the Middle East. Yes. And when they acquired them, they got like some obscene number, like a thousand or ten thousand like scooters from this company that they that they own and operate or used, and they recycled them. They threw them out. Not even recycled them. They threw them out. They disposed of them. And reporters asked, and like you know, these are relatively new scooters that this new company had bought them too. They haven't been in operation for that long. Why not, you know, use them or even sell them because there's third party markets for this now. And they put us up, they gave like a, some weird answer. There's like, you know, like, yeah, like we didn't want to do that, whatever. It made more sense for us to throw it out and they didn't give a real answer, but think about what they really do. They took comp competitor out of the market, but they don't want to give the market like cheap scooters for another player to come in at a, at a cheaper cost and offer like, you know, a, uh, a lower fee. So, I mean, there are these giants kind of floating around uh, in this field. And when, even when Richard, uh, when, we, when he came to the podcast, I asked him like, you know, when two companies like Lime and Bird come in and raise two like billions of dollars and have this kind of capital move, it's like start trying to start a social network when right after Facebook IPOs, right? The amount of like guts and glory you might have you have to have in your head to, to think that you can go up against uh, big companies and, and fundraise and build just kind of points to the kind of value you seek to provide the market, right? What's, what's the identifier here? I mean, Richard came on and he talked about the hardware. He brought on one of the, one of the little scooters, showed how much safer it is, how much more comfortable it was because it was bigger, more thicker aluminum body, meant more for ridership than just convert over from a previous market, right? Mm -hmm. You guys put a lot of work on the hardware, a lot of work in, in, into, the, into the app, but what is it about maybe your vision or wh what you want to provide that separates you from the rest of these pro providers? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good question. Uh, first of all, I, I saw that news to uh, one, Bird acquired one company in Middle East and they recycled all the scooters. Um, I, when I saw this, um, you know, I, I was really sad because the whole idea of uh, providing Micromobility and electric scooters is um, reducing, you know, uh, cars and uh, creating a sustainable uh, transportation method. And mm -hmm. when we see these news, it's, it's not, it's not the goal uh, of what we are doing. And I saw a similar news about uh, there was a uh, another acquisition, uh, Lime uh, Uber, Lime acquired Jump bikes uh, and scooters, and also. Uh, Jump bikes were recycled too, um, which was really sad. I, I used myself. Uh, it was it was really good. Uh, it was a good experience, but they they uh, were recycled too. Um, so these are really sad news. Uh, it it they are they can be used. It's for the shared environment. Uh, if if there's nothing wrong with the bikes or scooters, it can be used. Uh, we don't want to recycle uh, scooters that we can use because it, it's not sustainable. Uh, there's a manufacturing process. Uh, it, it's not easy. And what we want to do is we want to provide a sustainable uh, mode of transportation. 
uh, and you know it's from the beginning of the manufacturing to the actually you know uh, to the end end user. Um, so our goal uh, at, at on the uh, like when we look at the long term uh, goals, um, we want to keep our sustainable uh, you know sustainable uh, method. We don't want to waste our resources. We don't want to uh, waste our scooters. Uh, we want to keep it sustainable. Uh, we also we want to actually reduce um, and eliminate the risks. Uh, basically, that's um, riding on sidewalks, um, safety concerns, uh, and parking issues. Uh, we have been working on uh, these components very hard, and we have been developing technologies. Um, and we, we made a really good progress. We will be sharing uh, updates uh, very soon. Um, again, we want to create a platform, we want to create a system uh, where people can ride their scooters safely, uh, with no concern, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with no safety issue, with no um, major problem. Um, that's what we want in the long term. And we also want to encourage the cities, uh, the communities to um, work on the infrastructures and uh, improve the infrastructure. Basically, in, in Toronto, for example, <clears throat> the city is working very hard, but uh, it's still not enough. Uh, we need to create uh, more opportunity, more, um, more space for bikers, for scooter riders. Um, that's, that's what we want in the, in the long term. And um, right now, I think um, we have a lot of differences uh, from our competitors uh, because we look at the mistakes that uh, other companies made in, in, the, in the recent years and we learn from them. We learn from them, we listen to our customers, uh, we listen to their customers and we try to understand how we can change uh, this whole business and how can we provide a service that is good for the users, that is good for the city, and that is good for us. So that's uh, what we have been trying to do, basically. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I, 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 th we, I think we talked to your team about this early on, but I have a, a separate kind of question about the model for kind of businesses, right? Like, for well, like what, what Lyman Bird did was follow like more like a Silicon Valley style style where like they talked, you know, they brought in uh, um, external capital like, through uh, equity raises mm -hmm. and they use that equity to buy a whole bunch of stock and deploy very rapidly with the promise of a high LTV, right? Over the lifetime of the company, they're going to achieve X amount of capital to justify the valuation and grow from there. But these kind of businesses are, this kind of model is kind of deteriorating now in the, where everyone's kind of afraid to put their money towards this, right? Like the kind of vision you're providing where micromobility becomes the future, right? Like mm -hmm. our company, the, like our, our institutions investing in hardware companies, because from what I'm hearing is like, it's very hard right now to fundraise and move forward. Um, what, like, how does that affect you right now with the current climate of uh, people being um, very, uh, conservative right, when yeah. it comes to that market. Yeah. Um, so when we approach the investors, uh, this is a question. Um, yeah. They're already already big companies and they have uh, like big, really, really, you know, millions of dollars. Um, th those investors are from Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley um, mm -hmm. and other, you know, uh, 
good good investment companies um and they ask us um you know why should we uh, invest in you how are you different than other companies um and right now uh with the covid situation uh it was it was really hard during the first mm -hmm. few months uh of the covid uh situation and they were not really um looking forward to investing because uh, there was no transportation at that time and they were afraid that you know we're gonna be at our home all the time uh, and there will be no more you know uh, traveling um, so they were afraid but right now they're seeing that things are changing rapidly um, especially when we look at China so they we can say that they uh, they are done with COVID uh, they have really a few new cases every day and the bike the demand on bikes and scooters are incredible uh, the manufacturers are uh, they're working all the time just manufacturing bikes and scooters um, and after seeing this now they're kind of confident that uh, micro mobility will be the next um, next mode of transportation um, so I think right now it's, it's a, a better time for us uh, to talk with the investors um, and convince them that, yes, it's going to be the next huge thing. Uh, it, it was already a um, popular and let's say, uh, I think in 2019, it was really popular. Uh, but in 2020, uh, unfortunately, COVID affected. Um, but it's going to be more popular in the upcoming months as uh, cities are uh, expanding their uh, shared scooter roads, mm -hmm. um, creating more frameworks to allow other operators and <clears throat> um, new cities are opening up their market too. Um, yeah. So it will be more popular. Um, and I think the investors will now look at a kind of a different level and uh, they will see that, uh, yes, this is, uh, this is becoming a different, uh, like this is going on a different path. Uh, than they uh, they expected before. Yeah, well, like um, this is a, this is an old idea that we discussed too about like it's like changing the fundraising model, right? Yes. And so even though people are hesitant to put their capital in something to invest in something, people are looking for um, cash flow, mm -hmm. right? I mean, people invest in businesses and things all the time for cash flow uh, because they some people there are people out there with capital but they want to get something that they can provide enough interest or enough income to live off of. Now that used to be property, right? You buy a lot of, you buy property and the rent, you know, pays off your mortgage and then you, you get cash flow, you get a cash flow account or you buy the, mortgage, the house out and you own it and it is a cash flow business. And people have been seeing that, but the housing markets have, have become depressed. Like there's less movements buying and selling. Uh, and people are now buying houses as actual corporation, 18.7% of the housing market that they've been purchased in the past, in America anyways, in the past three months has been Wall Street companies, right? Finance companies are moving into that, into the property game because it's consistent cash flow of being able to rent them out. Like people are looking for like cash flow kind of businesses. Mm -hmm. And the idea, the idea becomes is like, you know, all these micro mobility, uh, micro mobility uh, scooters and other tools that are, that are sweeping around. I mean, they're cash flow instruments, right? Yeah. Is there any kind of methodology uh, or thought process in a ways to create these into like micro cash flow investments 
so people can buy 10, 20, invest 20, 10, 20, or 100 at a time, and effectively own like small pools, right? Like almost like a, almost like a franchise model. Yeah, right? yeah. So that way you can externalize people with capital in order to grow a fleet big enough and you, the managing company, can operate. It's an alternative kind of thinking, right, to the traditional Silicon Valley um, like equity model. Uh, actually, we are working on a model where we're going to um, do platform sharing. So we're going to sell our scooters and also our platform, um, and they will be able to log in with, uh, for their own city, and uh, they're going to operate on their own, basically. Like a uh, white-label solution. Pardon? Like a white-label solution. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because I can imagine that a lot of people out there who, um, who have the connections or have the have the means to want to operate like a micro mobility kind of um, outlet, right? And this mm -hmm. way they can almost franchise it out to you guys. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, and, and the, I think the best thing about this is um, bigger companies uh, are not really um, operating in small communities uh, because yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not really profitable uh, you know, when you look at the global scale. It's not community um, driven, yeah. It's, it's not community driven. And um, for, for this platform sharing, I think it's a good idea uh, for entrepreneurs from those smaller communities to just uh, buy, let's say, 100 scooters or even, even maybe less uh, to just deploy that scooters on the street uh, with their own platform. They can see, they can manage, um, they can just, uh, you know, uh, operate on their own. Um, and it's, it's really, it's not really expensive uh, when you actually look at it. Um, and also in terms of the investment, uh, the profitability uh, for the electric uh, scooter business is actually, uh, it depends on the uh, scooter life cycle. Um, from the past and in, in uh, 2018, 2019, the other competitors were, they were using a, um, uh, a I'm, I'm not gonna give the uh, brand name, but they were using a, um, a very popular brand uh, and it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't designed for shared environment. Uh, so they had to replace scooters and, you know, on a monthly basis uh, for two months. And that's why they weren't really profitable at that time. Uh, now they're, capital, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and scooter business, you need a, a really huge initial investment. Um, for, for, uh, at that time, they weren't profitable. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now they're changing their design. Uh, it's still not enough. Um, but now it's, it's better uh, when we compare it to the you know, last years. And yep. we, when we designed our first scooter, uh, this was our first priority. We created a scooter that would last uh, up to one year, um, which is, you know, which actually changes the whole game and the electric scooter business. Wow. Um, that's, that's, this is really interesting, right? Like, um, I hope I don't, surprise you into this like are you come are you ready to talk about this on air like about this model yeah yeah cool so let's talk about that so is this almost like being is it like buying a franchise like a white label solution well uh, you know do i own and operate a role but as my own franchise my own community or do i can i label it as whatever i want so um it will be accessible through the role app uh but the scooter can be white labeled um it's just like a powered by role uh, kind of idea. Um, on the role app, we will have the logo of um, 
of that uh, franchising uh, company and <clears throat> um, they can just scan the QR through our app and they can use it. Yeah. But they can own their own, um, they can manage their own portal or their dashboard. Uh, they can see their uh, data, they can operate on their own. And we actually Amazing. give we actually give them uh, kind of a training about our experiences um, and you know how we faced how we solved the issues what we faced uh, with our uh, operations. That's that's really interesting. Um, so how would somebody, how does somebody who's interested in that go go about this? Like, what would the process be? Yeah, so we actually uh, had some uh, conversations with some uh, some people. Um, I can't really uh, give the yeah, of uh, names and the like locations. Um, <clears throat> so they can reach out on our uh, on our email or on our website, and um, we basically just talk first and we kind of determine and decide uh, what they need and the requirements, and we move forward uh, based on those information and. Um, we set up everything. Uh, we just purchase it. We, we uh, manufacture the scooters. Uh, we give it to them. We give the training. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's a really easy process. Cool. And we will be I, starting. I just, yeah, we will be starting soon. Uh, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I just realized that I'm wearing a really dark uh, sweater and it's really dark here because of the storm <laughs> coming, I guess. And I look oh. so floating head. So, this is an interesting <laughs> effect. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, cool, man. So that's really interesting. So this allows people who want to get into the scooter business or thinking about it to deploy it really quickly because you've done the heavy lifting. You know, you got validated, validated by cities, Calgary's using it, right? You already have scooters that are load tested and like, you know, made for actual consumer use over a long exactly. period of time. And you have a pretty user-friendly application that, people, that can be deployed. Um, I mean, that seems like a very holistic package. Um, so kudos to you guys. That's, that's really interesting. And I yeah, think that's, that's, me, that's more of a aligned vision to what you want to build, right? It's more of a community-driven micro-mobility system. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I can definitely see that being more interesting. Like, even in my neighborhood here, I would love to have that, right? Mm -hmm. Because so many times, like, we're going to the store and, like, it's just too far enough that we don't want to walk, right? And it's, 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 so, and it's, it's kind of annoying to have to mm -hmm. get in the car, get out, back out and go. If you're trying to grab something locally here, like, you know, you need to be able to be, be mobile. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and they're fun too, right? I mean, Definitely. when Richard brought that, brought his demo in, I, I was looking around, like, uh -huh. it was actually a lot of fun. It's for it's interesting because, like, scooters are seen as still a toy, right? Because when we were kids, you scooters was that toy. Like, it's a rollerblade. Yeah. So now yeah. these, like, powered instruments are actually could, could be used to get you to work, get you... Uh, to get groceries to be actually used for like as like a uh, as a utility exactly I, I use it in toronto uh, all the time uh, as you said it's really fun um and i i see a lot of people buying scooters these days uh, and you know it's it's becoming uh, a utility as you said like people are using for commutes for traveling mm -hmm. um so what else uh, any any big problems you're facing right now um uh so the cleaning uh was a kind of challenging uh not really a challenge but we had to work on that uh, a lot because uh, it's mm -hmm. it's a shared environment we have to make sure that um uh, our scooters are clean 
uh, we introduced yeah. some new uh, cleaning uh, procedures. We are uh, <clears throat> uh, cleaning our scooters uh, at least two times when it enters to, to our warehouse. And during the day, our, uh, uh, our emergency and uh, pet petrol team, they just uh, go around, uh, clean some scooters, disinfect uh, them, the handlebars and um, the tube. Uh, we also ask our customers to wash and to wash or sanitize their hands after each trip, and we clearly communicate uh, with our customers on the app, uh, on our website, and also on our social media channels too. Um, also, uh, we will be having some. Would it, uh, yeah, would it make sense, like rather than having a physical team go out and clean, uh, clean and have like, a physical presence? Does it make sense to have like, like, um, like you know? hand wipes or something like you know attached to the scooter like i have a, you know that a pack that can be replaced right so people can self-sanitize or is that too much of like a, a material burden uh we were thinking about that but uh as you said it would be a material burden and um uh, there is no way to kind of safely put it there um so we didn't really go with this idea uh, but uh, yeah, instead we are asking our customers <clears throat> to wash uh, or sanitize their hands after each trip, and make and we are telling them that uh, you know we are not cleaning the scooters after every trip, so uh, that's why we are encouraging them every time, and we are working with uh, Alberta Health Services uh, on this, and uh, we are uh, getting their advice uh, on how to clean and uh, the other practices that we should follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's great. But another thing I'm like, I want to bring up is that when you guys went from a super close knit, you know, team that works side by side to each other to now being distributed, right? Yeah. Has that, has like, you know, working from home or working from anywhere, has that, has it helped you? You know, because since you're, uh, you're running a company that's distributed anyways, right, across multiple markets. Right. How's that transition been or were you guys already operating like that? Um, it's, it's really different. Um, it has pros and cons. Um, for personally, um, it's convenient for me. Uh, I don't really go to work, you know, it's that commute time. Um, but we, we had some uh, problems too, uh, you know, for, for interns, for example, uh, we don't, we can't monitor them and we can't answer all the questions right away. Uh, so that was kind of a, um, a challenge for us. And also uh, we were working in a uh, co-working space uh, provided by UFD and there was a community there too. Uh, you know, we were able to talk, we were able to chat, grabbing a coffee. Uh, these are all luxury now. And um, I, I, I prefer working in an office environment and uh, you know, talking with people, asking a question right away. Um, but, but so far it's going well. Uh, we didn't really have a, a huge issue. Um, and well, actually for our lunch, uh, our team, uh, some, some, uh, some members of our team went there, um, to assemble the scooters and also prepare for the lunch. Um, but in general, most of the time we are working from home. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to run a distributed company like yeah, like like you know, a microtransporty company virtually, right? But actually operating that, like you know, actually, how does that affect the company culture? 
right? If someone new joined the company and you never get a chance to actually physically meet them. Yes. Right? Uh, How do you deal with that? We had three members uh, joined uh, over yeah. this COVID, uh, COVID um, duration. <clears throat> um, we, uh, we, had a, we knew one member before, uh, we worked before. Um, so, so it's interesting. Uh, we have daily meetings. I think that's a good way to kind of keep track of uh, who is doing what, uh, any challenges that we're facing. And um, we can just call each other. So we are available all the time. So that's also good. Uh, but as you said, you know, uh, we're working with uh, some people that we have never uh, met in person. It's, it's, an, you know, it's an interesting concept. Uh, but as long as they're doing their work well, uh, as long as uh, you're communicating well, uh, there, there's no problem, uh, I think. Awesome. Uh, so I think this is where everyone's, everyone's kind of experiencing this, right? Like 1.3 billion people that lived in previously industrial areas are now forced to figure out a completely new way of like transacting and, and, and uh, organizing together. And it's opened the ways for new modes of companies forming, right? Like now you can hire, if you get used to the idea of like being able to run a team that never meets, you could, you're no longer constrained to hire talent by where you live exactly. or where you work, right? Um, does it excite you or does that put, like, does that, does that point to more challenges for you guys um, to, and when it comes to like recruiting other people and recruiting the right talent? I think, uh, from my opinion in general, uh, it's a really interesting concept. Um, it was a challenge in the past. Um, for example, there are really you know, good talents from other countries, but uh, just because you're living in another country, uh, you didn't have a chance to work with that company. Uh, so that was a, you know, that doesn't make sense. Um, and I think that changed now, uh, it's, it's changing. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, they actually announced, also Shopify, uh, they announced that uh, this working from home might be a, might be the future. Uh, it's not just for, you know, post-COVID era, but it might be the future of working. Um, for us, um, again, we, we don't really, we don't need a physical location uh, to uh, kind of, you know, give the service to our customers. It's on the street. But our operational team, uh, the ground staff, uh, they have to be there. Uh, they have to collect scooters uh, daily and they have to uh, clean them. Um, so we still need that in-person component uh, at some point, um, but not really, you know, for, for, for us, uh, we don't really need that uh, to be honest. But again, I, I prefer uh, talking with people. I prefer grabbing a coffee and then the lunch break um Absolutely. yeah 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 and even like when you're working together and like randomly you take a break but talk about other things and like that's all ideas and like innovation form right there is a random interaction you have with colleagues yeah. um and you know without like consistent touch points like it's it's hard to bounce or move an idea along yeah now you'd force like plan for these things or plan for a discussion to make place right so i i think it feels like it requires a lot more structured thinking, to be honest, right? So exactly. rather than like force people to be in a room together eight hours a day for 40 hours a week, that's usually how you got things done. People didn't necessarily work for, for the full 40 hours, 
but in the interchanges and in, in between like you're taking a break and have conversations and all this work gets done mm-hmm. and things get moved up and new ideas form right like just because you're in, in, in an idea in, a, in the environment but the the new social contract is that hey you and i get to work from anywhere you want right therefore i get to value, value my time and structure it in any kind of way so work and life is integrated i can you know, pick up my kids or run groceries or do things in the work day but now we have to figure out a way to structure our ways of moving things forward so we, now we have to be more structured and like and more methodological in our work time right yeah hey i need to bring in so and so in and we need to bounce this idea move move maybe move this forward okay we need to have constant touch points so we are we're, we're aligned as we build out build out a new tool a new product or launch a new service right everyone in the team has to be more strategic and more aligned in the ways of communicating value definitely yeah. so, i couldn't agree more yeah so i think it's bringing it's it's opening up a new kind of worker a new type of skill set of being more forward thinking and structured and i think it's empowering people a lot better than being forcing them to spend an x amount of time in a work environment to allow that to naturally bubble up exactly yeah i i couldn't agree more um again i i think the quality of your you know of your work uh is more important than how many hours you work um mm-hmm. so uh, yeah i i definitely agree yeah yeah it's kind of for new measurements right like uh, of that too like about uh, what work is right how do you guys internally run each other like you manage each other's time like do you guys micromanage at all provide any touch points or do you just have tasks that require need to be done by Set period of time. We have uh, daily meetings uh, at 9 a.m., uh, which is really productive for me because I wake up early. Uh, you know, yeah. I have a lot of time in the morning. Um, we give updates on what we're doing, uh, and then there are some uh, other meetings, like daily scrum meetings for the data team and uh, technical team. Um, basically, um, we have tasks. Um, we uh, we kind of uh, decide our tasks on a daily basis. um there are some that sometimes there are some uh, important tasks that we need to do and uh we communicate uh, several times uh, within a day um other than that um, it, it wasn't really different from uh, what we did and uh, when we were in person uh we had weekly meetings at that time uh because we were all there if we had a question if we had a challenge we could have just uh, you know asked that at that time uh and right now we have daily meetings to solve that issue and we're always accessible to each other uh we are available we can just uh, call each other and ask about uh, a problem or an issue um it, it's not a problem uh for us uh, to be honest okay and so uh, like talk about structuring right so you're saying like yes. daily meetings now does everyone in the company is it a good company wide stand up uh it's more like a management team uh like co-founders um and i also have uh the weekly meetings with the the business analysts um members and our interns um other than that for the technical team we have daily scrum meetings um uh, that's also really important and uh, so it's more like an agile system uh, it was already uh, agile before we had daily meetings yeah. uh, with the technical team 
Um, and now it didn't really change because it was already agile. So I, I think uh, we're moving towards an agile world now, um, yeah. which I believe it's efficient. Um, so yeah, it, it's working well. Nice. Uh, how long did it take you to get that structure or is it continuously evolving? I guess trying different management styles, management time periods. Like. Yeah. So when we, uh, um, when we decide to have our daily, uh, having daily meetings, uh, it was after the first month, I believe, uh, we thought it was going to be more efficient, um, to have daily meetings, uh, rather than having weekly meetings. Uh, so it was, uh, after the first month of the, uh, I think it was in April, we started this in April. Um, and we are always changing uh, based on you know our requirements. Uh, it was different before our lunch in uh, Calgary. Now it's different. It's uh, more structured, uh, I think. Um, and you know, every day uh, things are changing rapidly. So uh, we need to adapt uh, as a startup. Uh, that's a really really important thing to do. Uh, so we are always changing based on our requirements, based on our efficiency. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to stop at one point. It's always going to change. Perfect. Um, cool. I mean, absolutely. Ever evolving processes are important, but it's, it's kind of, it's uh, refreshing to see that you have, you've established something that it's, it seems like you're so happy with, uh, cause everyone we're talking to, they're like trying new things still. And like, you know, they'll attempt new time periods. They're, they're still trying to like figure it out. And when new people come into the, into the company, then like things change, like change the dynamics. Yeah. Like people, uh, you know, you might have to create separate meetings for a separate team now, right? Um, as they come forward. So growth, imagine growth in a virtual environment. I think that's an interesting thing too, because yeah. everything structurally changes. Yeah. Especially when you're a founder and you need to jump into a team meeting, all the different day teams and everyone doing that. You're trying to foster an environment where ideas bounce along each other, right? Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's also going to lead to like new tools. Right, the new ways of like deeper ways of, of people interacting and communicating together. Do you guys use anything like you know Microsoft Teams or anything like collab online collaboration tool? Um, we are using uh, mostly uh, Google Hangouts, uh, Google Meets. They they changed the name. Yeah. Uh, we use Zoom as well. Uh, we did we didn't really use Microsoft Teams, uh, but it's pretty uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a uh, experience with, the, with that. Um, we are actually finding some new tools. Uh, there is Airtable uh, that we recently found, and we are um, using that for our uh, researches and uh, business mm -hmm. analytics. Um, other than that, um, we we have been using Trello for a while uh, for our you know uh, assigning tasks and keeping track of the progress. Um, uh, but yeah, we are always uh, finding new tools based on, you know, we have new requirements. We are working virtually now uh, from home. So um, we, those tools are really powerful uh, when it comes to keeping track of the progress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So more than that, you personally, man, how are you handling, you know, month three of COVID? Yeah. Um, personally, I'm okay. Uh, I'm getting used to it. Uh, but like sometimes, uh, for example, I, I went to the office last week. Um, I, uh, I uh, picked up the scooter uh, from the office. We had one there. 
And I, I realized, you know, it was, it, no one was there because the office is closed. Mm -hmm. I just uh, got a temporary access. Um, I, I have a weird feeling, uh, you know, I was like, like we were here working all the time with other people. Now I'm seeing that empty and it's been a while, uh, you know, we were working from home. Um, like it, it was a weird feeling. I don't know how to express it. Um, and also sometimes I, I think, um, you know, like I, I used to go out with friend, my, with my friends to eat, you know, uh, food outside. Now it's, uh, it's a really, you know, luxury now. Uh, yeah. So these things are, you know, different when you think about it, but I'm, I'm getting used to it. I'm uh, also uh, taking courses as well. Uh, it's also interesting uh, learning everything online. I actually like it. Uh, I like it better than in person. Um, it's, uh, it's more convenient. Yeah, uh, it's really convenient. I, I feel it too. I say the same exact same thing. I like it better, but it's still, it's so different. Right, it like different, of course. Yeah, like uh, I think the main thing I would I miss is, is going out and eating with people, right? Like different people. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. after you have had like you know like I've had like what uh, three months now almost solitary meals or just with the same people in the same family members, um, you know, like you just haven't realized that there's a time where like you know, almost every other meal or something you have with colleagues at work or friends that you hang out with or catching up with another friend. Mm -hmm. or even like a sales meeting or like a introduction meeting, right? That you now we have our Zoom, you would, you know, grab a coffee, grab a beer, grab, you know, grab, you know, grab a quick bite. Like there was all these touch points involving food that it, it was a blended experience. Mm -hmm. And now it's been siloed out. Now you just eat food for the sake of it. You have communication just for the sake of it, right? Like the blended experiences factor is gone is now everything's been like atomized and like, done just for the sake of that thing yeah yeah it's really interesting it's like a like we're seeing a new world uh literally yeah. uh it's it's different from what we have seen in the past uh but you know i think we're uh getting used to it uh very uh very rapidly um so yeah we're just adapting and actually we had um uh, socials uh in in our like office also like we went to bars uh for monthly social and uh now since we can't really meet uh each other uh we are doing this online too we are playing kahoot games kahoot quiz uh also we're gonna play um the drawing and guessing game uh this mm -hmm. weekend uh so yeah we're always you know finding new ways to uh doing the things that we did in the past yeah. uh, in the new modern way. So when do you think that things are going to go back to like exactly how they were as normal, right? Where things are more freely transacting. Is it going to be a year, five years, 10 years, or are things never going to go back completely the way they were? I think things are never going to go back uh, as we used to you know, live. Um, it, it's not because... COVID will never end. It's because our habits are changing. Um, you know, we're, we are living in a completely different world now from what we had in, in like four months ago. Um, we, we changed a lot. Our interactions, like human to human interactions are changing. Like we have, like, I, I don't know how we're gonna handshake. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, when are we gonna handshake again? So these are, these are really interesting questions. 
but you know, you know what I'm looking for is when young professionals or like even like young couples, like people start realizing, professionals start realizing, especially when they have the, like, I think there's, a, there's an age group, right? The yuppie age group, the young oh. adult professionals. These are the, the ones with the most disposable incomes, right? They realize that they can go and work anywhere. Yeah. They don't have to be tied to the, like a high, high uh, cost of living places, like, a, like yeah. downtown Toronto, downtown New York, or, you know? that they can go into a third world nation, they can go to a resort area and live in these nice areas, you know what I mean? Like almost like an Airbnb location and, you know, operate out of anywhere, right? Like people thinking that they can go up north and live in a, in a cottage environment mm-hmm. with a lake behind them and like, you know what? But they're still running a high performing startup, but like living as if like people did 100, 200 years ago, a slower, soft-paced lifestyle. Exactly. but yet interconnected to a global marketplace. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. And, uh, you know, not everything related to COVID uh, are bad. Um, like, I think, I think this is a positive outcome. Uh, and there are, like, other, other things. Um, like, um, it, it's, it's simply, I, I think it's, it's um, like, changing in a way that is not really bad. Um, and there are positive outcomes like uh, what, what you said. Um, and yeah, like I, I think um, like it's, it's more like a cultural change uh, rather than like our interactions. Um, yeah, I, I hope, I hope um, we will be able to like do some things like eating outside, uh, meeting our friends uh, without actually, uh, you know, concerned about COVID soon. Uh, but other than that, the other things that changed during this period uh, will probably remain the same. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Got it, man. This has been great. Uh, thanks for coming yeah. on and updating yeah. us about things that roll and what you guys are dealing with. No problem. Um, Thank I you. appreciate, uh, you know, I, I, hopefully people got some insights into how, you know, a hardware company like Roll operates. Where you have software and hardware and how you're operating now, working from anywhere. And this new model that you're offering people uh, to be able to get into this action, get into this game of micromobility, I think is very fascinating. Um, hopefully, um, we can maybe help you move that forward oh, right, in the future. You. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Art Erda, and uh, thank you for the updates. Thank you, Ravi. You guys, uh, thank you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much.